to TV Sports. Tosh and Jerry podcast is back. It's NBA draft night. Got my beer in hand, watching the draft. Had to take a little break here to pod about it. We got some takes. And we, we got a special guest here today, too. Jackson Roberts, author of the Tuesday Morning Blitz, on the pod again. It's great to have J-Rob here. We'll get to him in a second. But, uh, Jerry, us two are big draft guys. We had the, we had the pod during this draft. Dude, yeah, absolutely. J-Rob, we're going to get to you in a second. Glad to have you back on the pod as a fellow Pats fan. Uh, I love to be here. I So I actually had chalk first. Let's get right into the draft. Let's just jump right in. I had Anthony Edwards, James Wise, and LaMelo Ball. We're going to talk about that, get into that. I had that going first three. I know there was some talk about Anthony Edwards maybe falling, LaMelo Ball going first. Um, I like what the Timberwolves did here. That I think they took the best prospect on the board. But I think the best pick of the night... Easily, Tosh, you're going to love this. Your Warriors took James Wiseman. I think he's the best fit for that team. Like, they need a center. They, I mean, they've shown they won without a center before, but, like, Wiseman fits the Warriors so perfectly, and, like, he has room to grow in that team, too. Like, that's almost can't miss. And then right before the draft, like, literally, like, 25 minutes before, like, the news broke that Clay Thompson, I think, suffered another torn ACL, so that's not looking too good, man. Yeah, uh, we'll see about the clay injury. That obviously sucks, but I mean, he didn't die. He'll be back. He's only thirty. But um, before we before we get into the Wiseman talk, absolutely love the pick. One thing that I'm pumped for is shout out Kyle Coburn on this one. We're gonna be able to see the Lavar Ball Michael Jordan one on one match we've been waiting for our entire lives. Uh, pumped to see that. But uh, yeah, Wiseman's a great fit. Um, I think he's he's going to be almost like a Chris Bosch is what I think he's like. He's almost like an Anthony Davis. I mean, he's got a little bit of outside game to him. He's super athletic, 7-1, 7-6 wingspan, and a perfect fit with the Warriors. Um, J-Rob, you got to love this pick, right, man? I mean, as a – and people are going to hate me uh, being a, a Patriots combo Warriors fan. Uh, blame my dad. He hates the Celtics, uh, so he didn't indoctrinate me. But uh, Even even I think that's gross. Like, I got to be Celtics on that one. <laughs> I mean, it, it is what it is. I, I can't do nothing about it. I've never been a Celtics fan, but uh, really love that pick as well. Um, I mean, people are talking about the outside shooting with him and the potential, uh, but when you get a guy 7-1 with a 7-6 wingspan, uh, I mean, just just throw that guy out there let him be an athlete uh, and with the infrastructure around him and obviously the, the established championship culture, I just think he has the chance to only get better and better. He was a consensus number one pick coming out of high school. And people just, you know, forget that so quick because he didn't get to play this past year. But lots of people haven't played in a while now, so who cares? I mean, a lot of people also had Lamella, though, and then he went and played in Australia, so he kind of fell off a little bit off people's radar, even though, like, he is pretty talented. Um, and I do want to get to that in a second, but, like, think about the Warriors lineup now at, when Clay's healthy. They have Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and now James Wiseman, like, I mean, I know you lost Kevin Durant, but that's a pretty solid starting five in my book, even if Wiseman is just average, and I think he's going to be better than average. Um, but getting to LaMelo, so there was an argument to be made that the Warriors could have taken him, you know, groomed another guard to take over for Stephen Clay, and I would have loved that situation for LaMelo going to the Warriors or anybody that gets strapped by the Warriors because they're a great organization with, like, a great mentorship with, like, Clay and Steph and Draymond. Like, it's just a great situation for any young rookie to come into. So I like LaMelo as like a, as a basketball player, as a point guard. Um, I think like his passing is insane. Like he's kind of like a, like a newer Ben Simmons. I don't, I don't know if that's the best comp, but anyways, I'm worried that he's going to the Charlotte Hornets who have like a terrible, terrible like culture fit. 
and he's just going to be so disinterested and like not try his hardest and like just tune out of games and like I think Lamelo is going to be one of those dudes who's going to be amazing on like his second contract and his Hornets years are just going to be like absolute suffering for him. Uh, I would I agree with that. I think I think Lamelo his passing ability is is even better than Ben Simmons. It's almost it's, it's like only. Yeah, I think it's like almost like LeBron like in a sense, but obviously he's not anywhere near LeBron. But like his passing just is really good. I think, um, however, with Charlotte, as you said, like that's a terrible fit. He's not going to be playing hard all the time. And like, I don't really know how that's going to go. But like at Charlotte, I give them credit. I think he was the best player available. So, I mean, I'll take him every day of the week if I'm them. There's a lot of talk about the Bulls potentially trading up to grab LaMelo and then trade for Lonzo, which I would have really liked. I mean, first of all, you get the their existing relationship and hopefully his older brother can kind of, you know, make him feel more comfortable. But then you also get Lonzo, who's a phenomenal defender, uh, LaMelo, who's much more of a playmaker on offense. I and mean, that would have been something fun to watch, at least. Uh, and then, I mean, you guys can get into what the Bulls did, but. So yeah, speaking of what the <laughs> fuck are the Bulls doing? Like it's like Patrick Williams at four. Like I, come on, like Dude, you guys I, both gotta be with I, me. No, I like the, I like I actually like that pick. I think he's out of the rest of the dudes there. He's one of the most athletic, and of all the dudes who are athletic, he can shoot a little bit. I think he'll be able to play like two to two to three different positions, and um, I think he's just gonna be your classic three and D like forward who's gonna have a nice career, and people are gonna be saying that that was a steal. I mean, we saw I'm not saying no, no, no. Yeah, one who's saying that, but also like that's not. I mean, like he he might not be a bad player, but that's such a reach at four. Like there were so many other good players there. Like if you're the Bulls, like if you want Patrick Williams and he's your guy, you could have easily traded back to six, if not seven. Like you cannot tell me the Hawks were not trying to move up to grab a Kongu. Like they wanted that dude no matter what, if not Coro. Like come on, you did not have to take Patrick Williams that fucking. Four, absolutely not. I mean, just do the math. He's the the sixth man on his college team, so I don't know how he ends up being drafted fourth out of everybody out of all of college and international ball. It made no sense to me. Because you're Dude, drafting yeah, right. on potential, and, and he's young, and and going to be good. I don't know, man. They're all young, so I I don't know. I not not Obi Toppin. Not Obi Toppin. Yeah, great. Let's get into Obi Toppin thing right here. I actually loved him at Dan. I loved watching him. Like he's a high flyer. Not too much of an outside game. Um, but now I have to hate him. Okay, the Knicks took him at eight, and like he's like, oh, I love New York and all this. And like honestly, he's kind of like, and I heard this on another pod. Like he's like Amari two point a little more athletic, a little bit different. But the Knicks got their guy. I guess now they have him and uh, RJ Barrett. So, like, their outside scoring is not going to be much, but, like, I got to hate Obi now, even though I loved him, like, in the draft at first. If you think you're going to be building around Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett, <laughs> you're going to have the worst defense in the history of the NBA. I mean, I don't think either of those two guys are are even close to average defensively. Like, Obi's not going to be able to slide his feet at all. He's super stiff, lower body. I think he's more of like a center, but then they have Mitchell Robinson there. So, I mean, I don't, I didn't really like the pick. I would have gone Halliburton there. Just establish some like an actual decent culture with that team. I think Halliburton can do that. And I really like that pick for Sacramento. Yeah. I mean, they definitely could have taken uh Halliburton there for sure. I mean, the Knicks could have done a lot. It just, I feel like if you're in New York, you just take whoever you think is best, and then it just never works out, which I love as a Celtics fan. Um, but 
Speaking of dudes who like we thought we were going to go earlier, like maybe the Bulls, this guy, Danny Avija, uh, if I'm saying that right, from Israel, like he was projected to go top five. Um, I was actually texting a couple people like during this draft that, you know, once he got to number nine, the Wizards was like, all right, Wizards got to take him. He's fallen far enough. Sure enough, he went there. I think that, you know, he could have gone earlier, but given that he fell, like the Wizards kind of just took the best available player there. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I personally know nothing about that guy, but what I do know is that he had one of the greatest wine collections I've ever seen on the wall (laughs) behind him. Uh, So folks at home can't see it right now, but I've got a a glass of Sancerre in my hand right now just to honor him uh, because that was a power move. And I know LeBron was jealous looking at that wine wall. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. I like that take there, Jirob. A little bit about Denny. I think he's athletic. he can handle the ball a little. I, I mean, the question with him is his shot. And if you can't shoot and you're six, nine in the NBA, if you're not super big, he's somewhat skinny. Like I just don't, I don't know if it, I mean, if he can develop his shot, he'll be good. If not, I don't think he'll be that good. So, I mean, but I mean, I guess, do you, who do you guys think like slipped? I mean, I guess Halliburton and, and Vassal are two yeah. guys that no, no, yeah. Halliburton and Denny are the two that slipped. And I want to talk about Halliburton and and then the subsequent pick my Celtics like right after that. Uh, before we you know move on to the trades that we just saw like leading up to the draft, yeah, Halliburton slipped. Uh, I you know Tosh, I was texting you and J Rob about Halliburton. I guess so. Buddy Heald looks like he's on the way out. He was a big Vladi Divac guy, and you know that didn't work out for him with the Kings. Had some issues there. Um, and so I guess maybe you pair him with De'Aaron Fox. I fucking love De'Aaron Fox. Like, I think he's a stud. I hope he stays with the Kings, and I hope they let him keep developing as he is. Buddy Heald seems like that relationship's a little bit uh, irreconcilable. Like, they can't – they'll never figure that one out. So, I mean, Halburn looks like he's going to be kind of like a day one, one-slash-two guard on the Kings. I completely agree. And I think with him and Fox, the, the culture that they're going to establish there is, is going to completely change like how Sacramento's run. And if they can get some wings and bigs in with those I two mean, guys, like I think yeah, they have Bagley. For so, they, so they have Margaret, Marvin Bagley there. And so like, my question is like, they're all super young still. And so that team might, so it can go one of two ways. Like they're either going to grow together and be a contender for years to come, like in the West or it's going to be one of those teams that is kind of middling where they're like around the eighth seed every year, year after year. And they just like, can't get any better. And like, we're not going to know that for years to come. And I think it, it, a lot of it depends on like how much Bagley can keep developing and how much Halliburton actually can like help that team with like spacing. I, I equate it to like a, a Portland scenario. I think those two are the backcourt of the future. And then if you can build around it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be good. But j you like the, you like the pick, right? Well, well, let me tell you something. It'd be nice if Bagley develops. You know, it'd be nicer having Luka Doncic. Uh, I, I feel like the Kings don't catch nearly enough heat for not for passing on him a couple of years ago. Everybody talks about Atlanta. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Halliburton's a nice player. And so is De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox could be a star in the league for a long time. But at the end of the day, as much as we talk about the draft, there's really only like 15, 20 guys in the league that even matter. And Luka's one of them. And two teams, really three, passed on and still just absolutely befuddles me. I don't get it one bit. Yeah, taking Marvin back. I mean, I could understand the Aiden pick I just because he was so dominant in college and from there and everything. But, like, yeah, the Bagley one is inexcusable, completely inexcusable that they did that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, last one I want to talk to. 
you guys about in the draft. The last lottery pick before we get to the trades, my Boston Celtics at 14. I texted you guys. I texted everybody I knew. Uh, Cole Anthony was there, point guard out of UNC. Uh, my reasoning for wanting Cole Anthony at that spot, okay? Uh, Kemba is awesome for what he is now, but he knows that it's Tatum's team and Jalen Brown's team in the future. Um, and by the time that Cole Anthony was ready to take over for Kemba Walker, he would have sat behind him for two or three years. Kemba would have been 33, 34, taking more of that backseat, kind of like Kyle Lowry, a mentor role. And Cole Anthony would have taken over, run this offense. It would have been Cole Anthony, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, a big three going forward. And he would have had time to develop. We didn't take him. Cole Anthony goes to pick after the Celtics. We take Aaron Neesmith, who's the best shooter left on the board. Uh, it looks like we took somebody who's going to replace Gordon Hayward. At the time we're recording this pod, it's during the draft. We don't know what's happening with Gordon Hayward. They're working on extension for maybe a sign-in trade. Um, I just can't, like the Celtics can't lose that spot for nothing. Like we got to get something back for Hayward or like work out a very team-friendly deal. Um, I'm very conflicted about this, this pick from the Celtics. Uh, I did want that backup point guard. I know we still need a center. We need a big. We're very undersized still. Um, and it looks like we got another versatile forward. So playing directly into what Danny Age is loves to do in his strong suit. Guys, what do you think about this? Yeah, you can never have enough versatile forwards. And I think this kid can shoot a little bit. So I, I don't mind the poke. I think Anthony will be good too. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Celtics get better this offseason because obviously last year wasn't good enough. And for all the credit Danny Ainge gets as being a genius, like they still haven't won since the Garnett days. And, and it's time, I think it's time that they like cash in on all these assets and really go for it. And I mean, um, and we'll see how much Nate Smith helps this year, but I, I would consider, I would have considered trading that to be honest. It's win now. It's got to so be win now mode. I mean, whoever you think is going to help you, you know, be a rotation piece this year. So if they think, Neesmith's that guy. It's the right pick. If they would have thought Cole Anthony was that guy, then that would have been the right pick. But hey, time's up, Celtics. Time to go, especially in the East. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the Nets on the come up. I, we, we're going to talk about them in just a second. Uh, but there, there were rumors that we were trading up or we're trying to trade up our, our lower three lottery picks to get a higher pick for maybe a Kongu. But clearly that didn't happen and we didn't take a center. Maybe in free agency, we'll see who that is. But guys, a lot of, a lot of different... Uh, uh, gotta interrupt this on what I was just saying. My Celtics just took Peyton Pritchard point guard. Let's no. go, baby. Tosh, we were just talking about yeah. that. Peyton Pritchard, Fuck. day one guy is gonna come in. We don't need Cole Anthony. Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon, our ducks. God, He's ready to go, dude, Tosh. No. Fire me up. Fire <laughs> no. me up. Now I have to root for the Celtics. Uh, Pritchard's gonna be a good player. Um uh, calling that right now. He's he works hard, he can shoot really well, he can create for others. Yeah, that's a good pick. So fuck. I have to uh have to root for the Celtics now. Amazing. I all right. Somehow we got to move on from this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I would love to talk about Payne Pritchard. I'm getting the Payne no. Pritchard jersey. Let's go, baby. Let's go, Celtics. But you want to go to Nets or the Bucks uh, moves uh, for the talk draft? Talk about first? my Bucks. So yeah, Drew Holiday to the Bucks, um, and then potentially Bog, Bogdanovich from Sacramento. We'll see on that. It's kind of up in the air right now, but everyone's saying how three draft picks is a lot for Drew Holiday. And let me remind you guys that. If Giannis resigns, these draft picks are going to be 25 through 30, and it's uh, not going to be a big deal. And I think this is a good move. I mean, you got to get Giannis to stay. And if this helps, like, give up, I'd be willing to give up more. So I'm down for this. Um, Holiday and Bogdanovich, I think Bogdanovich is going to sign there, but I think they just had to say that he's not right now for the tampering. 
Um, so if we get those two guys, like that's a really good five. I think the best five in the East. So I'm, I'm very down with these moves. Ooh, I don't know though. Cause like the Bogdanovich trade, like that one is weird. The other thing is you're getting Drew Holiday. Like that trade looks good on paper. I think, you know, Drew Holiday is definitely better than Eric Bledsoe and George Hill, but like his contract is only a year. So you're taking a huge risk. Um, but you, uh, you give up a lot if both Drew and and uh, Giannis walks. Yeah, and I, I, like you got to think that they talked to Drew Holiday and that he's resigning. I mean, okay, but what about Giannis? Like, it, like he's said that he wants to resign, but like I'm pretty sure he's been asked about Miami, and like a, a little smile comes across his face and goes, "Oh, you know, we'll see what <laughs> happens." Um, I'm not sure that Giannis is actually convinced the Bucks, man. Uh, I'd be shocked if he goes to Miami. I'd be shocked if he goes to a team that just beat him in the playoffs. Um, The one team that somewhat scares me would be the Knicks if he wants to uh, go to New York. But I think Giannis is going to resign. But why would you want to go to the Knicks? What was that? What? Wants to team up with the prolific R.J. Barrett and Kevin Knox. Yeah, and O.B. Toppin. A long career, is he still there? (laughs) 13 year old yeah but uh i don't think Giannis is the type of guy to go to like a team that's already good and be like second fiddle to the people who are I there think he, is if he doesn't have a ring yet why not i don't think well he if, is. He, if he does he said he if wants he does to stay, leave, so. if he does leave though he's not going to new york like there's no upside for him in new york and like he doesn't care about the big market like he's down to stay in milwaukee like he wants to win um but like, like, gosh, what you were saying, like, if he wants to be the guy, he can still be the guy in Miami. Like, if he shows up there day one, I get they have Bam and I get they have Jimmy Butler, but like, Giannis is going to be the guy wherever it's, he goes, unless he's. It's different though, as someone as the guy who got drafted by the Bucks and built that stadium behind him, and all like, I'm, I'm, I am a Bucks fan, but I, I'm pretty sure he's going to resign. I mean, the Bucks are very confident about it. I don't think they give up all these pieces if they didn't think he was going to sign. So we'll see. I mean, no one really knows. So it's kind of like he's playing there this year and the Bucks have a good shot to win the championship this year. So I'm down with the moves at the end of the day. Like They're, they're all in, but th- this year, especially like the, the NBA is going to be more wide open than even before. Like the past couple of years before the Lakers just won, it was pretty much warriors Cavs, And then the Lakers look like predominant favors, like Lakers Clippers um, and the Bucks. And so now like it's wide open. Um, with the West, of course, being more competitive, the Denver Nuggets looking to make moves. The Celtics, Nets at the top, you know, look like a P with the Bucks. And so let's get let's get to that, man. The Nets, I mean, so apparently they Harden wants to go there, which makes zero sense. Like I was looking on the ESPN trade machine, how the hell Harden gets there, and you can't do it. Like literally, they have to trade Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, uh, either Jared Allen or DeAndre Jordan, and like two other dudes. And like the Nets would literally have nobody. Like it would literally be just the big three of Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And, like, those dudes are all pretty ball-dominant. So, like, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, can I go on a little rant here about uh, Anthony Davis requesting a trade to one team and that becoming a norm now? Like, God damn it! Like, these NBA players don't sign long-term deals if you don't want to stay at that team. Like, well, why can James – it's not like James Harden has accomplished anything. Like, why can he just say, I want to go to this one team even though I signed this long deal? Like, James Harden, you're not going to go to Brooklyn. And uh, just because you were hanging out with Katie and Kyrie Irving in LA over quarantine, like doesn't mean that you can go play with them. And 
be loyal to the Houston fans who are supporting you. Like that's, I don't think he's going to go there. Okay. But that's, but that's not how that works. That's how the modern NBA is. Like you can just force your way out. Like even a guy who I would argue is less of a star than Harden, Jimmy Butler forces his way out of Minnesota. Like you see guys do this all the time. (laughs) Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I think that, that uh, the NBA should honestly do something about it potentially. Or I I mean, I don't even really know. So they had, the NBA had like seven year contracts before. Um, and so the issue with that was like, you would give a guy like a really long-term deal and he just wouldn't pan out. Like he wouldn't be the superstar you thought he was, or he'd get injured. And then you were stuck with him for like five years. And so like the owners actually wanted it to be shorter, like four or five years. And so now that whole issue is that these dudes, like these superstars can just be like, Hey, like if you don't trade me, like I'm just leaving, like you're going to get nothing. And so their incentive is like to trade them and get something. But like, I, I totally agree with you. Tasha. If you're the Rockets, there's no reason you should be trading James Harden to the Nets. Like you're not going to get what you want back for him. Like you should just trade him for the best possible deal. If he's expressed this, and if you're the Rockets, like let's be honest, it's time to rebuild. You couldn't get past the Warriors. You had your shot. Daryl Morey's gone now. You, like Russell Westbrook is not the answer to your problems anyway. So like trade Russell Westbrook, trade James Harden, but do it for the right price. Like don't just do it because he wants to be. Moved. Don't do it Absolutely. for John Wall either. That's that's the worst. Yeah. They don't want any part of him. Speak. Speaking of another bad contract, though, uh, CP3 to Phoenix. I mean, I don't think this makes Phoenix a title contender, but now they, I guess they have a super expensive point guard to be a uh, six seed in the West with uh, Devin Booker there. But, uh, yeah, they're going to really need Aiden and Bridges and those guys to really elevate their games, in my opinion, to make this trade worth it. Um, but I guess it makes them a little bit better in the short term. Hold up. So let me go in on this one just for a second. I didn't know what to make of this trade at first. I'm not a CP3 guy, admittedly. Like, I'm pretty low on him usually. I love this trade, and here's why. You're absolutely right. CP3 is, like, not going to get the Phoenix Suns to the title and not the Western Conference. Like, they might be a six seed at best. Um, but it shows Devin Booker that the, that the Suns are going to make some moves to try and help him out. And also, I think this is huge for DeAndre. And, like, CP3 is notoriously a great mentor for guys around the league. Like, look at Shea, just Alexander and the Thunder. And even, like, him playing with Steven Adams, another big man. Like, they had a great chemistry on the court. And, like, I think it's just a great fit. Obviously, he's not – he can't be your long-term point guard with a guy as young as D-Book and DeAndre Ayan. Like, those are your two foundation pieces. But I think it shows both those dudes that, like, okay, we're ready as the Suns to, like, turn the corner and be a better franchise. Like, D-Book, don't leave us yet. Um, so, while I totally agree with you, like – it's not going to put them over the top. I love this move, even though you have to pay CP3 an outrageous amount of money for what he's going to provide. Yeah, I, I, I can kind of see where you're coming from there. It's just like, I don't know. It, to me, it seems just like short-term going to be decent, long-term going to be not good, and he's going to be a bad contract in a few years, and then they're just going to be back to he's where just, they were. He's just year. not going to be there after three years, though. He, I mean, he's not going to be there long-term, and they know that, I think. That management is just doing this as like a vote of confidence in the guys that are there and showing them that like they have faith in them, like they want to keep them around, they have their best interest in there. Like I honestly, I think it's going to help D book too because like it's going to take off some of that scoring load. And like obviously, uh, CP3 isn't like the young twenty year old he once was, but like he still has the smarts. He's shown that he can stay healthy throughout the regular season, anyways. And I think it helps the team overall for the time being. So I I mentioned you might sell a couple tickets, sell a couple jerseys, get a little revenue going down in Phoenix. I mean, they're at that point, they'll take anything they can get. 
I mean, I would, I, that's the type of guy where if you have the space to sign somebody like that to help mentor your young guys, and there's really no downside. So, I, I mean, I agree on all counts. They're not going to be that good, but they're going to be better than they were. And who knows, maybe a couple more signings later, a couple more draft picks, you might be something. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, maybe he'll get, maybe he'll get one of his buddies to sign there. Who's kind of good. And, and that, I think that could be, that's kind of the highest upside of that, but, uh, Cool. So, I mean, here's our thoughts on the NBA. The NBA is back. It's starting December 22nd and uh, excited for that. But uh, let's get into the NFL. Um, Jerob, how many how many six and three teams are there? We ran the numbers on this. There's a lot of sabermetrics going on. Somehow we ended up at this point of the season with nine teams, all with a six and three record. Uh, and I've just never seen anything like it. Uh, I thought as a thought exercise, wanted to come on here with the boys and just chat through these six and three teams and figure out if any of them are any good and if any of them uh, really don't deserve to be six and three at this point. So, uh, I mean, that's the whole purpose for being here. And let's let's dive into it. I it, This is a mess, but a, a hot mess that I love. So let's go. Yeah, I'll get us started here with the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Are they a contender or a pretender, Tosh? I'm going to say the Raiders are a pretender and I know that I know they beat the Chiefs and all the Raider fans I talk to are obsessed with that win but uh, I think things might go differently this week and uh, the Raiders defense is just not good enough to be a true contender that combined with uh, Derek Carr just not being you know Patrick Mahomes uh, I think the Raiders are a pretender in the AFC they might make the playoffs though but uh, I don't think they're really going to go anywhere in the playoffs yeah they have a pretty light schedule the the ridiculous long form NFL playoff predictors uh, thing where you just click on every game and I got the Raiders going 11 and 5 believe it or not um, and that is including very much including a loss to the Chiefs this week which we'll come back to uh, but after that, it really eases up uh, in a big way. And obviously, they have Denver and uh, L.A. Chargers left on their schedule as well. So I think it bodes well. Um, but your boy, Mr. Mister Peter Ha, in the Instagram comment section is not happy with you on that one. Yeah, big, big uh, Raider fan is, is uh, Pistol Pete. But, um, yeah, I, I'll say pretender on the Raiders. Who, who you got next year? Yeah. Los Angeles Rams. So, I mean, people are going to – I've gone back and forth on this team a lot this year, and if people are reading the Tuesday Morning Blitz, uh, I've pilloried them on numerous occasions. But I've come around. Uh, The Rams' defense is great, obviously. I mean, you forget about the talent they have. Uh, But their offense is surprisingly good too. I mean, I watched a lot of that Seattle game, uh, three-headed rushing attack. All those guys can run the ball a little bit. They all do slightly different things. Uh, And if you look at DVOA, which I do pretty religiously – they're actually fifth in offensive DBOA, which is kind of shocking. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna maybe a little bit of a surprise here, but I got the Rams as a contender at the moment. Uh, yeah, I yeah I love that. So I was a little bit lower on the Rams coming into it. Uh, their defense, the biggest issue I was worried about is them staying healthy, and they have, and they've showed that they're legit, and they they you know sold out to pretty much be in the win now mode on their defense, and it's working. And so their biggest issue or point of concern is Jared Goff and you know if they're not playing a great defense like the Rams are are absolutely a legitimate contender so I I mean let's just let's just put it with a preface that it's in the NFC uh, which is definitely the weaker conference this year I do not believe that they would be a contender in the AFC but the NFC is such 
Well, I don't wait. I don't know about that whole. I, I you know, I don't even know if we're going to bring this up. But you think that the NFC is is weaker yeah. than the AFC this yes. year? Because I, I don't. top end talent, top end talent. Uh, I think it's night and day. Chiefs and Steelers are by far the two best teams, and ultimately that. No, I, no, I don't think the Steelers are that good though. Like, okay, don't get me wrong. They're, agree, no, they're undefeated. Listen, the Steelers are undefeated. They're they're not a bad team. They're a good team. I just don't think they're like incredibly unstoppable. Like, I just don't think they've played that many good teams. And I have this, I've been saying it all year. They're going to lose to the Ravens on Thanksgiving day, mark it down, whatever that happens to be. That's my lock of the week right now. Lock it in. The Ravens are beating the Steelers on Thanksgiving. One thing on the Rams, uh, before we move off that is, is Whitworth is out their left tackle. And I think that could be kind of a big issue coming up here. Um, NFC, I think is, the, there's obviously the Chiefs, but then everyone else, I think, feel like it's kind of just a crapshoot between the second team and the tenth team. Yeah, I wanted to hear Jerry's thoughts on the Seahawks, his uh, NFC, his NFC uh, favorite here, the six and three Seahawks. Okay, I've come down on them a lot. They burned me a little bit in the locks of the week and the upsets of the week. Uh, their defense, dude, they're giving up like 300 plus. I think it's like 320 plus yards a game. Like, you cannot be a real contender if you're giving up that many yards and your defense is that bad. As the old adage goes, defense wins championships. Uh, I, I, you know, I've fallen in love with their offense and I've become blind to their defense. But at some point, you realize what's wrong with the relationship. And that secondary with both their cornerbacks out and Jamal Adams just underperforming, uh, they really were. I mean, they're now a Woo! contender. Seattle, you still have some time to figure it out. But right now, you're not in my good graces anymore. So, and the narrative back on about track. the Russell Wilson never getting an MVP vote is only going to continue. Uh, he he ain't getting one this year unless something drastically changes. Uh, he's had seven turnovers past two games. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers combined have about seven for the entire year. So, hey, why is why is Mahomes being slept on for MVP? I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but I like. Patrick Mahomes is having an MVP season. Everyone just wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and even Kyler yeah, Murray. It's wrong. Uh, it's he's already getting the the Brady treatment in year three of his career. Uh, he's he's got to do something ridiculous just to get his name back in the conversation. But I'm sure he doesn't care. He just cares about the rings. So I mean, I I'd be terrified of the Chiefs if I were literally any other team in the NFL right now. All right, let me get back on track here. Another six and three team, the Indianapolis Colts. I have the pleasure of introducing them. Uh, their defense, it's almost the exact opposite situation of Seattle, where their defense is awesome and I can't trust Phillip Rivers on the offense. Um, and so we just saw them beat the Titans on that Thursday night game. They looked really good, and Micah Pittman is becoming like a kind of a stud receiver, maybe taking over that TY spot, although he's not that fast. I don't know. It's for a different time to talk about. Um, I have them as a contender, and here's why. Here's why. I think the Titans still have a shot at that division. I, you know, I think they're on a bit of a downside. I just don't trust Phillip Rivers. Like, if you get pressure in his face, he's just not the same guy. I get that the offensive line is great and that he's running back by committee and that defense is outstanding, but there's no way they keep up in the shootout with the Chiefs. And even if they come up against the Steelers, who we just mentioned, I think the Steelers are a better team than them, uh, more well rounded. So, I, you know, the Colts are going to make the playoffs, but they're a contender. I mean, underrated storyline of the past couple of years in the NFL. Um, how good would this team be right now if they still had Andrew Luck? Um, it's really one of the great, one of the great so good. in all of sports. So good. Uh, and it's really kind of a shame that he's not there anymore. But uh, as it stands, they're 
I am, I'm right with you of how fringy they are as a contender, but I do love that defense and I love that organization. Um, and let's talk about the Titans. I got them right here. Um, we've had some serious Titans love on this show from, from one particular man, uh, Tosh Myers from throughout the season. Um, and it is my great pleasure. Now oh boy. the Tennessee Titans as a pretender, absolutely horrific third down defense. Can't stop anybody. Um, can't stop Jacoby Brissett when they know he's coming in just to run a quarterback sneak and he still just rams it right down. Uh, Tannehill literally can't throw if it's not play action. I've never seen anything like it. Uh, well, so that's it. They can't play from behind. That's the whole thing about the Titans. Like they have to feed Derrick Henry and they have to play off play action. Like they can't play from behind. Uh, and I, I mean, who knows? There's, there's lots of things that can change. I mean, we did see them make a, a run last year when, when things went their way. Uh, but I see zero title contention. I've seen three really awful performances in the last four weeks. Pre-tender. See ya. Uh, J-Rob, so I, I think it's possible for a team to, to uh, start off as a contender and then turn to a pretender. And I think that's what that... That's what the Titans have done, but I'm also smelling smelling a little salt coming through the uh, the old AirPods here from two Pats fans on the uh, Titans train. I don't think but, people uh, understand that yeah, one. I nobody thought that even if they won that wait. game in the playoffs last year, that they would feel any good. It was the Miami game that really ended it for us and really made us depressed. Yeah, that wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I like the Titans more than the Colts. I just want to get that out there. I'm not being salty or anything towards the Titans. I'm merely saying absolute facts that they can't play from behind. Like we've seen that Ryan Tannehill needs a lead and he's better off play yeah. action. Like the numbers show that. And I agree. And I think with the with the Luan injury, uh, left tackle, their right tackle left in free agency. Like they're just they can't run the ball as well. They're play action is not as good and their defense isn't as good. So yeah, they're a pretender. Uh, one thing on the Colts I wanted to say though, is that uh, I don't think you can call a team with Phil Rivers a, a contender. Um, and let's move to uh, Cleveland here. I have the, I have the uh, opportunity to, to talk about the Cleveland Browns here for a second. Baker Mayfield, they were my lock of the week and last week and God damn it. Nick Chubb had to fucking run out of bounds with my lock of the week, just hanging right in front of his face. Um, and him being on my fantasy team, I did luckily win. Um, but yeah, that was brutal. Uh, and also the Arizona bad beat, which I'll talk about them in a second. So, uh, thanks to the, uh, cards there, but anyways, um, yeah, Cleveland is a pretender and I don't think we need to spend that much time on this because they're not going to win anything with Baker Mayfield. So, Agree, guys. Beautiful. Chuck them. Uh, yeah, I had well said. Um, yeah, as long as Baker's at the helm and he still has those turnovers, yeah, the, the Browns are a pretender. I did have uh, Houston plus three and a half, yet Cleveland money line in our picks pool. Uh, so that Nick Chubb play did bring me quite a bit of joy. Um, but let's get uh, Tosh, talk to me about the Arizona Cardinals. What are we feeling? Yeah, so the the cards, the other half of my bad beat last week of the uh, whole Hail, Hail Mary thing had Buffalo money line as the upset. But, uh, yeah, the cards, man, this was the toughest one for me. I think I'm going to say they're a pretender. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, Bill Simmons has been riding that cards bandwagon. He's been hyping them up on his pod. But, um, yeah, the cards defense is really bad. And 
They're never going to be winning games by a lot. They lost to the Lions um, earlier this year. Like they're just, I don't think Kyler's that good of a thrower. Um, they, you know, they might win a playoff game or two, but um, yeah, no, I don't trust their defense at all. And I don't really trust, trust Cliff Kingsbury to fix their defense before the season ends. So I'm going to say pretender. Dude, it's weird because, because Kyler, I, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit because I think Kyler's okay in the past game. Um, it's tough to throw to guys that aren't named DeAndre Hopkins. Like he has Christian Kirk and I guess like a 36 or 37 year old Larry Fitzgerald. I don't hate Larry Fitzgerald. Love that guy. No, no disrespect on his name. Uh, but I think that Kyler covers up a lot of Cliff Kingsbury's issues. Um, and I, I've learned like the NFL community is pretty divided on Cliff Kingsbury. Like a lot of people like what he's doing. A lot of people hate what he's doing. I'm not a big fan of his. I think he makes the team a little bit worse. Um, I think the cards are a contender though. Like look at this division, it's the Rams, Seahawks and cards. And like, you've seen the cards be able to compete. Yeah. They have some really ugly losses, but like, you got to take your lumps with a really early, like um, young quarterback early in his career with Tyler. Um, and so I like, they could, they're in the mix. Like they're firmly entrenched in the mix to win this division. Um, I'm having them as a contender. They have a ton of upside. Uh, and you know, we've seen as with these early teams that, they have uh, some high risk as well. So they're one of those teams that has a very low floor and a very high ceiling. They could go week to week. It's awesome. I love watching the cards. Honestly, like my favorite team to watch the NFL this season. Murray's fun to watch Ooh. for sure. Um, Jerry, I wanted to, wanted to hear your take on Miami, a uh, team that could be the winners of that East division with the Pats. I think they're Dude, Yeah. Last week we had Drew on the pod and I posed the question to both of you, you know, Miami or the Buffalo Bills. And you guys go, Buffalo, Buffalo, easily, easy money. Um, and maybe, maybe the cards beating Buffalo on that last play, like changed the narrative and Miami is a game closer now, but I'm going to say Miami is a contender relative to where they are in the AFC East. So I think they can easily compete, challenge the bills. They play one more time in the season to win the AFC East. As far as like the Super Bowl and like the AFC conference championship game, they're a pretender, but like they're absolutely a contender way ahead of schedule. Brian Flores is having like that program turn around. Um, they're way ahead of where they should be, which sucks as Pats fans. Right, I, I mean, it doesn't suck to me. I mean, I'm, I'm almost got the, uh, just the proud, proud uncle with Brian Flores thing going on. Um, I'd rather it be them that usurps us. If someone's going to usurp us than Buffalo, uh, I really have a reason why. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I, I think just the Brian Flores thing. And then people who are way too quick to anoint Josh Allen as being anything other than mediocre, but, um, yeah, he's not good. He he. This season, he's already had 17 throws that could have been picks. Like he's still very turnover prone. They just haven't been happening this season, and like that's gonna catch up with him at some point. He's got a lot of issues still. Rounding out the uh, and this one may have been the hardest one for me to decipher. Um, your and my Baltimore Ravens. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, I, I've gone back and forth on this one about five times. Um, I have settled reluctantly. I'm pretender and I, I know it's going to be a shock to some folks and I I'm with you. I could definitely see them beating Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving, but that's not what we're talking about here. Um, I think they really have a Lamar Jackson problem. Uh, I've, I mean, gross game in new England on Sunday night, but you're going to see a situation like that in the playoffs, whether it's in Pittsburgh, in Kansas city, um, even in like a Buffalo or Miami. Um, if you're facing a stiff defense, 
that guy cannot throw the ball on third and eight. It's the most ridiculous thing I've seen from uh, an MVP. It's it's crazy to even think that a league MVP in the year after his MVP season can't be depended on for uh, you know a, a game winning play of any sort. Um, congrats to him for getting his first win after trailing at halftime uh, by three points against Phil Rivers. But uh, I don't see it. I think it's a great defense, and I think there's some other talent, uh, but they're they're wasting it, and it's uh, it's tough to watch. I agree, and I think that offensive line is not as good as it was last year. The running game isn't as good, and uh, because of that, Lamar isn't as good. So I, I like that take out of the UJ Rob. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I want to say they're a contender, and throwing the Baltimore-Pittsburgh Thanksgiving Day game aside where Baltimore is going to win that one, long-term, they have a lot of issues. So, like, you like everything everything you see about Baltimore and you look at them, they have a great defense, they have Lamar. Like, you want to say contender. Like, everything's leading you towards that. But this season, compared to last season, like, they just haven't put it together. And, like, if you're going to be an actual contender – you can't be losing to my New England Patriots. Like we're just not that good this season. I mean, I get there was a torrential monsoon, but like, yeah, the third, the long third downs, you not converting. Like, yeah, you're a pretender right now. So, and I hope it stays that way. I don't want to see Baltimore do well. Like, I'm not a fan of theirs at all. So, I hope they stay pretenders. Yeah, Week Eleven guys has some good sure games. Um, you got Card- Cardinals, nice. Seahawks. We got Col- Yep, Colts, Packers, Raiders, Chiefs, Bucks, Rams. If you want a lot of stuff about this, go check out the two TV top twenty-five games to watch week eleven, as well as uh, the two TV sports uh, weekend spotlight. But let's talk about the uh, Colts, Packers because it's my Packers, and uh, this isn't going to be an easy game for us. But uh, the Colts, the Colts use pretty good. But I think having uh, Bakhtiari, Jones, Adams, and Lazard all back for this game, first time since week two, is definitely going to be a big help. And I think the Packers might win this game on the road. So th- this game opened at Packers minus one, minus two, and then it actually uh, flopped over to Colts minus one, minus two. And uh, I'm with you, Tosh. I cut like maybe I'm just too low on the Colts. I'm not giving their defense enough credit. Like Aaron Rodgers is a man on fire. I don't know if it was Jordan Love lighting fire in disaster or what the hell happened with him. But the Packers look great. And like now Marquez Valdez scanling is like getting targets and like actually being a productive receiver. And so I I mean I love the Packers this week against the Colts. Um I think if you're looking at an upset, maybe some foreshadowing, like, yeah, look mm-hmm. at look at the Packers there. I don't see that as an upset at all. I'm stunned to see the line shifting. Um I Sometimes you do just have to look at a quarterback matchup and Rogers Rivers. I don't like that one if I'm Indy. Yeah. Definitely. (laughs) Sometimes it's just that simple. Definitely a little overreaction, I think, from last week from the the Titans getting killed by the Colts and the Packers barely beating Jacksonville. So maybe a little correction this week. Uh, One more game let's talk about. Let's talk about Raiders Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs lost this one last time. I just don't see that happening. I, I think Chiefs win, and I was considering this one for my lock of the week. Dude, the, no. It, I mean, you can just book it right now. Chiefs lock of the week. They're beating the Raiders. They're not losing them twice. They're coming off a bye. Uh, I don't know if it was a fluke like the Raiders deserved to win that first game, but there's no way the Chiefs I didn't think there was any not. chance the Chiefs would lose this game anyway. And then the news comes out that John Gruden apparently ordered a victory lap around the stadium and the team bus after they beat him uh, in KC. Uh, I I think there's going to be an absolute smackdown in that spanking new empty stadium in Vegas this week, and I may or may not be putting money on that as well. Um, so let's let's get into it. 
does. Let's dive on in. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to talk about before we get into our lock and upsets of the week is uh, college football playoff committee is releasing their rankings next week. And so we'll be back with our college football takes uh, after that ranking comes out. So stay tuned to that. And uh, yeah, before we get to our picks, always uh, check out 2tvsports.com, subscribe to our latest articles and takes, um, and then also subscribe to this pod because then you'll just get in your feed every week and, and uh, give us a rating. Let us know what you think. And uh, let's get to our picks. we got special guest J-Rob on today. He's got a pick for us. Uh, let's get to that one first. Alrighty. I'm, I'm establishing myself as the teaser king around these parts. Um, Week one, before I was even officially a two TV crew member, I hit Tosh with a three team tease in our text message. Uh, it hit. Next week, I come on the pod. I give a two team tease, Packers, Seahawks. It hits. So I'm going for it one more time and I'm going big. I'm going to three teamer. Uh, you go three teamer, six and a half point. That pays plus 140. So let's get into it. Number one, Miami Dolphins. I, this one's a no brainer for me. Um, I do not understand uh, why Denver gets any respect in this line, even in Denver. I almost went the other way on this because sometimes I feel so convinced about something that I'll just, you know, uh, be completely wrong and and have to change my mind. That happened with the Rams-Bears game a few weeks ago. But no, I think Brian Flores is a great coach. Big Fangio is a horrible coach. Drew Locke's a horrible quarterback. Miami, no problem. Boosted up to plus three and a half. So all they have to do is lose by a field goal or less. Love that one. Number two, we alluded to it already, Kansas City Chiefs. They're a seven-point favorite in Vegas. They're not losing. All you got to do is win. They're minus 0.5. Um, so I, so far, we've got two locks here. The third one, um, I, I like Minnesota. I don't think they're a title contender. I would have said pretender, uh, but they've now won three in a row. They have a running game obviously they have one of the best running games in really the entire nfl and then they have two great wide receivers uh but it's not the pick's not even really about them they're playing the dallas cowboys um people are saying andy dalton might be back this week i don't care he's been horrible uh boost that one down to minus 0.5 so again all they have to do is win so to recap all i need is the vikings to beat the shitty cowboys i need the best team in the league to win a revenge game and I need a great, well-coached team to beat a shitty coach team with a shitty quarterback or just lose by less than a field goal. Plus 140, let's book it. I, I like that. I like that bet. The one thing that worries me, J-Rob, Jerry, call me crazy, but Garrett Gilbert did not look that bad against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a whole week to prepare coming off the bye week. And uh, I think the Cowboys could beat Minnesota up in Minnesota. That's the one thing that worries me. Have you watched the Cowboys? uh, No, they can't stop the run. Dalvin Cook is going to do bad things to that defense. Yeah, Dalvin Dalvin Cook's going to run all over them. We'll see. I I just I think Garrett Gilbert might be able to move the ball a little, and and uh, that that's just the one thing that worries me is is that bet. But I I do like it. I and and let's just. Yeah, I mean, I like the Miami, I like the Kansas City part, and I don't hate the Minnesota part. So I, I like that. Plus 140 is good odds. Tosh, what's your lock, yeah, my guy? Okay, let's get to this. I got Miami. I, I, I just ditto to everything J. Rob said about Miami. And uh, I'm going to go money line here. I mean, I think that 
they I think it could be a close game. I, I don't really like the three and a half. I think they could win by a field goal. That's super likely, but um yeah, Miami minus one eighty money line. I think that's pretty good. I think they're gonna win. They need this win way more than Denver. Denver's season basically ended last week when they lost to the Raiders. So I'm gonna take Miami uh, in this in this one is my lock of the week. Excellent choice. Jerry? Yeah, I think we all like my I think we all like Miami this week. I yeah, they're better than Denver. They should be better than Denver. I like that lock. Tosh, my lock of the week, I'm staying in the division, the AFC East, not the least. We've got some good teams in there now again. My New England Patriots, Let's I'm go. so excited to be back on them, announcing them to the world. They're my lock of the week. Uh, you know, Damian Harris run the ball down the Texans' throat. The Texans, Tosh, are terrible. Deshaun Watson has nobody to throw to. Their defense is awful. David Johnson's out. I get that New England's on the road. Uh, they're a slight favorite. It's minus 130 on the money line. I'm not taking New England to cover any spread. I don't care about that. Just get the win. It looks like the Patriots finally know who they are. They're a running team with maybe an okay defense when Jason Winovich gets going. And maybe we're going to have Stephon Gilmore back. JC Jackson will pick Uh, Deshaun Watson for a seventh straight game with an interception. That man finally got on the Pro Bowl ballot yesterday. Props to you, JC. You deserve to be there all along. I get why he wasn't there. He's got to make the Pro Bowl. That won't even happen this year. Pushing it. Let's go. Yeah, that would be awesome, man. So, New England, my lock of the week. Love you, Pats. We're back. I, outside shot to make the playoffs, but you got to keep winning. Dude, I I, I hate <laughs> to uh, rain on, on your guys' Pats parade, but I think Houston might win this game. Houston has more offensive firepower than the Ravens, and you guys are coming off making Joe Flacco look like he's the lead again. So... I, I worry about this, Jerry. I, worry I don't worry about, 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 don't worry about Romeo here, Cornell beating Yeah, me. that I really don't. I, if he does, props to him. But that's true. Yeah, but Adam Gase came within three points. That's the counter on that one. The I, Jets game is bad. I toss that out the yeah, window. Yeah, maybe we'll see. I we'll see. Ride ride with your squad. I, I mean, I can respect it. And, and let's get to my upset. I, I'll take the Falcons uh, against the New Orleans Saints plus one ninety. Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, who's even, I mean, that's going to be a complete disaster if you ask me. A quarterback, Falcons coming off a bye. They've been playing really well after they fired Dan Quinn. I mean, they were playing well before they fired Dan Quinn. He just was blowing leads. Um, And yeah, Atlanta's going to win this game. Book it. Uh, They're a good team. Hold on. Okay. So I don't hate it, but I'm skeptical. And here's why because I'm going with at this time recording it. I think Jameis is going to get the start and they'll just use Taysom and like situations kind of like they have been maybe a little bit more. But when you start Jameis, you could get four touchdowns and three interceptions. And so it's just a matter of like when those interceptions come and are they pick sixes. So uh, Atlanta very well could upset the Saints with, you know, Jameis or Taysom Hill at quarterback. Um, but Jameis could also have one of those like 350 plus yard games to Michael Thomas. Um, and so I'm staying away from this one. Uh, I will be watching it though. It's going to be and, really and let me in here. This is high one of those divisional rivalries where it does not matter. Like, I mean, classic great sports cliche here, throw out the record books. These two teams are hotly competitive when they play each other. Last year, I very stupidly took the saints in my eliminator pool on Thanksgiving. Um, I believe I only had one loss and it was week one and I forgot to make my picks in time. So I was actually still giving a shit about my eliminator pool and the Falcons absolutely wrecked it. 
so that's it. Um, I, I believe. I, I think this is a Falcons win. I, I call me crazy. I do. I like that. There you go. The Falcons might might just get it. All right. Last but not least, my upset of the week here. Uh, I tried to pick this as a cover last week. My guy Joey covers Joey Burrow from the Bengals. This week, he's not on my lock to cover. He's actually my upset for whatever reason. J Rob, you mentioned this. You're looking at the lines, and you know it doesn't make sense to you. It's the Cincinnati Bengals and the Washington football team now. Uh, the Bengals are plus 105. They're underdogs. I couldn't even tell you starting for the Washington football team. I guess they're going to go with Alex Smith. That worries me. Um, Antonio Gibson looks great, but I think yeah, the Bengals are just a better draw. team. Um, Did, okay, yeah, I see Washington minus one and a half. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. they're very slight underdogs, and that just jumps out to me. And, you know, another one I'm looking at, of course, is if you don't like that one, J-Rob, let me give you this one. The Packers over the Colts. I love that one, too, but my official Here's locker will be cast what I was saying about that. I am – on board. I don't understand how the Washington football team can be favored against anyone. That's exactly the type of pick I lose 10 times out of 10. I take the Bengals. I think it's obvious. Somehow it's going to come out and put up 400 yards. And the be on the yeah. That's what I'm worried about. It looks too easy this week with the Bengals. It really yeah, does. I don't know. Something maybe, maybe Ron Rivera's Washington, up to something. The Washington, I don't know. the Washington D line is pretty good and the Bengals O line is pretty bad. So, I mean, that's the one thing I'd be worried about. But, I mean, the Bengals are better, so I like it. Yeah, and with that, that's our picks. Um, we were doing pretty well. We're on a little cold streak, which means we're uh, we're, we're going to jump back to, to our norm and get back to the hot streak that we were on in the beginning last of the year. Game, and, uh, last game. And definitely. Tasha's texting me today. He says, he says the Jags plus 10 is a great pick. I am on the opposite camp. I'll carry it away in on this game. Somehow the Jacksonville Jaguars might upset the Pittsburgh Steelers. I had that as a negative one out of 10 possibility. Jerry, thoughts? The Steelers are not going to be upset to the Jags. Uh, 10 is a little bit big of a line. I, I'm not betting this one. What I am betting, I'll reiterate it once again. I'm waiting for that Steelers. The Steelers are going to lose a game. They're just not getting through the season unscathed. Like their ultimate goal is the Super Bowl. I think they're going to get tired and, you know, take their eye off the ball or someone's just going to give it their best shot and they're just not going to show up one day. But that game's not against the Jags. Uh, still without Gardner. Um, Loon looked okay, but it's coming against the Ravens on Thanksgiving. So it's still got a week to go. I think the Steelers will be just fine. The Jags, are, the Jags are not yeah, a bad horrible. team and they're going to keep that game close. Yeah, the one and win, the one win Jags are I not watched a, them. Not I watched 16 team. minutes of them last week and they were not a bad team and they're yeah, because the Packers aren't that good. They just lost to the Vikings. They got steamrolled by the Bucks. The Packers, just admit it, they're supposed to be one of the top teams in the NFC, and they're just not there look yet. Look at right like, now. They almost Jackson lost Hill the Jags. And Jacksonville Moneyline. Parlay cool. that with Atlanta for a big hit this weekend. And that, that's our picks of the week. J-Rob, thanks for uh, coming on. And, and as always, check out J-Rob's Tuesday morning. Always a blitz. pleasure. Don't sleep on the Friday stock watch, boys. That as well. <laughs> Jerry, thanks for uh, podding, and uh, as always, check out our stuff, and, and we'll be back next week.